back welcome once again to another episode of mike mike and oscar an oscar race checkpoint for you all today big news show i was gonna put in m&m's you know guess who's back back <laughs> again for our lead story here but i and we'll start with introductions i'm your co-host mike one this is co-host also mike yeah so this is uh just a little uh oscar race checkpoint where <laughs> not a whole lot is going on just uh, not gonna shake the foundation of the industry whatsoever just gonna chit chat and yep. see what happens see what we get to perhaps mm-hmm. you know maybe mm-hmm. talk about a few possibilities for the awards race no we have a ridiculously important industry shift back to somebody who's uh been in charge before we have what I think could be some influential awards nominations from the Indie Spirits, etc. Critics' Choice Documentary winners. Ha- I'm sorry, the IDA noms. The yeah, the Critics' Choice Do- Documentary. All the Doc Awards are blending together in my head. What the I hell did I prepare this episode? Yeah, I yeah. don't know how you keep up with all the uh, the various documentary awards and. Uh... More power to you. You go deeper into the insanity every year. I, I don't know how you keep up with it, but uh, something we can keep up with to start here is the IDA noms. IDA noms. There you go. I all had right. to go all the way, and I'm a member. <laughs> I'm a member of the IDA. I didn't even know what happened. That's all to come. But uh, what's old is new again. As Bob Iger is back in charge of Disney, Michael. Yeah. So Bob Chapek was ousted at as CEO of Disney after signing a two-year extension a couple months ago, and he was replaced with former CEO of 15 years, Bob Iger. Iger retired officially in December of 2021, and Chapek was his hand-picked successor after Iger had, you know, danced with many a successors. It was almost like the HBO show Succession, except yeah, they were not I don't, related. Yeah, he didn't want to to pick a success I, I was this sabotage like there was a lot of reports and people talking now after the fact that as soon as uh Chapik took over Iger was just trashing him like some hand-picked successor huh it's a great Beastie Boys song. That's all I know. That, that'll be. That's going to be the extent of my commentary. I think if I'm not reading copy that uh, you wrote for me or, or the Hollywood Reporter wrote for me. But yeah. Anyway, lots of rumors and reporting about how frosty that relationship was between Iger and Chapik once the transition of power happened, and it was weird. And we, we've listened to a lot of pods with Matt Bellany on them, etc., where Iger seemed to be in the mix more than retired CEOs of other companies would have been. Yes. He was circling some professional sports teams. He was trying to buy the Phoenix Suns per Bill Simmons. And, you know, that rumor is that once ESPN re- released a report about Robert Sarver, that was not going to happen. So a lot of fascinating wrinkles to this deal. Mm-hmm. But I, I will say that, uh, you know, THR doing a really nice job uh, covering this and, they said, quote, sources believe the uh, the deal to bring Iger back came together quickly in the past week because Iger was really circling this thing in the last week. That's Kim Masters and Alex Wepprin of THR. And we heard in retrospect that this was, yes, 
had to do with the stock market. However, the stock market's gone down for everybody. Yeah, everywhere. I, I, do you buy that at all? No. Like the earnings, the earnings report was two and a half weeks ago or three weeks ago at this point, and a lot of people, uh, THR Variety, a lot of people made uh, a lot of the trades anyway. Made well, the earnings report were down, so this is a reaction to that. I, that makes no sense to me. To me, this is just the the guy who walked on water for fifteen years wanted back in, and they're looking at this other guy and they're saying. We don't like him. <laughs> but want- why now? Like, I, I don't understand why this... Tr- they had plenty of opportunities to pull the trigger previously if they wanted to get rid of Chape. I mean, the don't say gay controversy that led to basically yep. walkouts within uh, Disney itself. His handling of, of the firing of Peter Rice, who he viewed as his biggest competition, who was one of three uh, front runners to replace Iger. When it was thought that Iger may actually tab Peter Rice to take over for him. I, I, I don't understand why this was done... Late Sunday night of Thanksgiving week, when Disney has a big premiere, I don't, I don't think Strange World plays into this much at all, but like there is that Disney premiere coming out this week. It's just odd timing, and I don't buy the, well, the earnings were down three weeks ago, so we decided to do this now. Like you said, the earnings are down across the entertainment industry. I, I mean, Amazon, who isn't even an entertainment, like, they have an entertainment arm, but they're down. Their earnings are way down, too. Like, right. every entertainment adjunct is down. Water Brothers has been down 15% since uh, uh, Zaslav took over. And they know where these earnings uh, numbers are going to go months in advance. They don't have to wait to the quarter point right. to understand what these numbers are going to be. To me, this seems like Iger getting the word out that he wanted back in and they chopped, you know, Chapik's knees out, essentially. Mm-hmm. But, but Michael, I mean, you're, you're texting me on Sunday night and I got my phone in my one hand and I'm 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 very dexterous, and I got my PS4 controller in the other hand, and I'm like on minute 20 of trying to figure out what the hell I'm gonna watch because I'm not tired yet, and mm-hmm. I'm texting you, and I'm I'm surfing Netflix and everything, and I'm like, oh my god, this is a scene from Steve Jobs, and I immediately watched Steve Jobs, <laughs> and it was the one of the better streaming watch decisions ever i was so amped up watching that movie i hadn't seen it in a while well how what number watch was that for that movie for you because that movie is like crack for us well here's the thing there was a time where i was a smoker Mm -hmm. and i used to like smoke and listen to that movie in the background while i was like typing on my computer and stuff like i was i could be preparing episodes what was that movie that brian cranston got nominated for where he's just like chain smoking at his typewriter that oh god and he's in the bathtub yeah that's what i'm a very famous journalist that i that's what i'm imagining you doing i'll I'll look it up keep going please look it up but look at i was uh i don't know how many watches that accounts for because i did Mm -hmm. that quite a lot like if i didn't feel like listening to music that day i would just have the sorkin script on in the background sure because it was streaming for whatever reason and i i am the biggest movie dork in the world especially with uh screenplays Mm -hmm. it's just musical to listen to i loved listening to that uh that that film and otherwise i've probably seen it 20 times though like just straight up watched it 20 <laughs> times at least trumbo is the name of the, the the movie i could come up with there but that's uh that's what i'm imagining trumbo. you doing just like uh, chain smoking in front of a typewriter glasses on looking yeah, down yeah i don't like to be smoking i never smoked while naked um, okay good to know because it was it was cigars it wasn't uh cigarettes so it's not like a post-sex thing Mm. (laughs) anyway but no it's 
That, that would be gross. That even that'd be the I'd be the grossest human being on the planet. That's true. What are we talking about? It took a What's hard turn. Happening? I was just gonna say. What's happening? I quit smoking. Thank God. Uh-huh. I quit smoking like two years ago. I haven't I haven't done anything else since. I've been working out ever since then. It's life's much better. Get but I do miss I do miss listening to Steve Jobs uh, behind my uh, MMO documenting kind of thing and and Fred, we can transition from you being naked smoking and listening to steve jobs to talking about what does this mean move, move what does this mean move what does this move mean for disney and and disney look yes obviously their, their stock market is not their stock price is not doing well there's been a lot of complaints since chappick took over probably more negatives than positives mike in the chappick reign or era yeah, and that's the that's the sad part uh, of Disney's transition here, and it's going to be a blip ultimately. It's going to be a blip on the radar, and I don't know where to decipher Chapik's era starting, which wasn't much of an era, and Iger's greenlit properties ending. Right, we don't understand how to parse through that. You really, really got to fast forward maybe a couple years to deal with the Chapik era, I would say, because. Iger has basically set the blueprint for the creative side of this company when he bought Marvel, when he bought Lucasfilm, when he, mm-hmm. I think he bought Pixar too, way back, right? Uh, yeah, he because uh, uh, Eisner and uh, Steve Jobs butted heads a lot. He also basically set Disney Plus on its trajectory. Maybe you could argue that Chapek kind of furthered those decisions, but I don't understand what the Chapek folly was to the entertainment side of the business. I know he's gouged people at the parks, but that's what Chapek knows. He's a parks guy. Otherwise, he's had controversies with Scarlett Johansson, Florida's Don't Say Gay Law. Right. I mean, we've, we went over those, and then the stock price decline makes everybody get fired these days. Mm-hmm. And there is a big reorganization happening currently within Disney. I mean, the, and it's expected to be even more firings and let goes. And uh, people who Chapik installed as like his overseers and his right hand men have already stepped aside. And it, it's coming back to, to Iger's world here. And Iger is going to rely more on the creative minds at Disney, apparently going forward. But there's also ancillary arms to this. Like, what does this mean for uh, other Disney properties such as ESPN, which is becoming like this whole other crazy investment for disney that i mean that's just hemorrhaging cash at this point if you listen to everyone we listen to right well that's the thing did chapek want to double down on things that the board didn't want to double down on and maybe one of those things was espn and there were you know all these rights deals are coming up and chapek wanted to do them and Iger notoriously has backed off of those in the past and would probably lessen espn's footprint at disney maybe even sell it at some point did Chapek want to go in other directions that did not follow the Iger blueprint? And Iger got got his feathers ruffled and said, no, F this, I'm back. And everybody's like, okay, good, you're back. <laughs> Simmons and Bell and I seem to suggest that there's something up Iger's sleeve, that he wouldn't just come back. And it makes, I mean, you know, this is all tea leaf reading and speculation, but it makes sense that this guy, Bob Iger, who was probably inarguably the most successful entertainment executive of the past however many years for how he handled Disney uh, in the past, you know, for the past 20 years or so. Why would he come back to this job without having something sure to go? And they spent a lot of time speculating on a, a potential Netflix Disney merger, so much time speculating on it and information about it that to me, it, it sounded like two guys who know something behind the scenes, but weren't allowed to say it. That does not make sense to me. 
It doesn't make sense to me either. From a Disney perspective, it does not make sense. Yes, Netflix is a profitable streamer, but they have let the blue they have laid out the blueprint for what profitable streaming is, and they've shown the the folly and the uh, triumph of it all. But essentially, they have like done the Walmart thing, where they've thrown it all at the wall, and you know we we did the financials a few years back, and it was yeah, spend fifteen billion, make twenty billion. Oh well, yay, we're plus five billion in raw math and, and disgustingly simple math now it's much different if they're making 35 or, or they're spending 25 it's something ridiculous like that so if you can if you have all the poker chips at the poker table you could do that if you're netflix i think netflix becomes stronger in this post streaming failure landscape however disney's got the ip disney's got multiple services where i think Iger can figure out how to make them successful. Hulu's doing very well. It's got a lot of subscribers. It's growing. Disney's still growing overseas. They're about to do the ad tier where Disney has all of the structure already in place. They've done the ad business. They've done TV for years and years and years. They've sold ads in every possible way across all mediums for years. They have that apparatus well set up over there they can find find a way to make that profitable especially on the streaming wing i would say but if you believe that netflix is the lone streamer in hollywood that's actually turning a profit which i don't even know how they how people would speculate that or be able to say that because of how big their debt sheet is but whatever that's you know again we're going back to i'm just talking about what simmons and bellany were commenting on then there is some kind of credence to the idea that Disney could adopt maybe a piece of Netflix in the way that they adopted Pixar and then let Pixar stand on its own as a company and just reap the benefits of it. I mean, I don't think that... Look, a, a Disney-Netflix merger or acquisition doesn't make sense to me either on its a, face. A merger it, for, doesn't make sense. Like, for, if Disney acquired Disney. Netflix, then I would say, okay, that makes sense. You know? If Disney bought Netflix, that would make sense. Which would they, be what would happen because Disney has a far bigger market cap than Netflix does. Right, and regardless of stock prices, but right? Then again, even though Netflix stock stock prices like twice, yeah, twi- twice more, but I, and it makes sense for Netflix because, and they again, this is laid out. I mean, like you said, Disney has the the legacy IP that Netflix is trying so hard to establish, and they want, and obviously Netflix and and Marvel have had a relationship in the past. I don't know what the upside is for Disney, but again, it, it I mean. They put so much information forward in that podcast that, to me, it sounded like, and Matt Bell and I is more connected than pretty much, you know, anyone this side of Scott Feinberg in Hollywood. It sounded to me as if it was two guys in the know about something. I don't I don't Maybe. see that, but I do think, going back to the original idea, would Iger take this job if he didn't have something up his sleeve ready to go? There's a lot of these streamers right now that are treading, at best treading water. Most of them are losing money. So a lot the streaming wars is going to essentially become a battle of superpowers pretty soon. It's going to be yes, Disney I agree. versus Netflix versus Amazon. Maybe Apple hangs in there. But and if all you of these see other that, if you're Disney ones, and you see that, then maybe you do want to try to do some kind of partnering with Netflix or trying to buy 30% of Netflix or something like that. I don't know. They've worked together for years. That's why mm-hmm. I'm wondering, like, this could be more of a sharing type situation where Disney's going to say, okay, well you know eventually two years from now we'll we'll give you this and you have this on your platform and whatever but i don't i don't really even see that i don't see them abandoning disney plus and hulu 
an ESPN Plus. I really don't see it. I'd be very surprised. I think they're making gains in it. They just got to fix their margins. They got to fix what they're because they're overspending, obviously, at Disney+. Plus, But they're doing that deliberately, and they haven't even hiked the price up yet, which is what Iger wanted to do, apparently, for a while. So Disney+, Plus and, and Hulu have have upside. They can, you can, especially if you combine those, you can make that a, another Netflix. Now, would Disney and Netflix come together to fi- figure out the operating system, for lack of a better word, and create like some kind of streamer bundle that everybody's been saying needs to happen at some point because everybody's going to be looking at the what's the new cable what's the new tv and we're going to be like all right we're going to have five streaming services bundled together and that's going to be the new tv for 100 bucks or whatever that's that's got to be the innovation next which is really not an innovation it's just that's the and that's going to lead to to strange bedfellows too i mean like peacock can't survive on its own but well, it's Pe- Pe- got Pe- so much money behind it from Universal. I mean, maybe they team up with like Paramount and, and may have a Paramount. T- but then you're talking about Paramount getting in bed with Universal. And, and there could be a lot of weird mergers coming in down the pipeline. If the cable television services continue to, you know, nosedive, then Peacock, the Peacock is trying to figure out how to stay alive on that end of things because they're probably barely profitable in that regard. But they, what do they have necessarily, Peacock, that isn't elsewhere like they have the wwe but that's also on their and the English cable Premier league yeah they have but they that's also on their other services and then they have their movies that are going there much quicker now than ever so what's what's the difference for that like what are they are they spending that much money on original properties that are flopping the scripted stuff the t the television series that's what they're upset by but they Can made you name that... a, a single Peacock original series. No, but they made. Didn't they have? Uh, don't they have Yellowstone? Didn't they finagle those rights? Is that Peacock? I thought that was Paramount. Uh, I think that's Paramount. Par- well, Paramount Channel has it, but but the fact that we don't know is anyway. You know, yeah, like, we don't. That's really. an issue. I th- I'm pretty sure I was on Peacock the other day, and they had the Yellowstone because obviously Paramount is the creator of Yellowstone, and they got all the uh, they got all the spinoff series, but they sold the rights like like. And they, I'm sure they regret it, but they sold the rights, hmm. um, I believe, to Uni- uh, Universal, but I don't remember. But I don't watch TV that that often. Michael, I think that the whole thing is the streaming wars are really being fought behind the scenes in a way. And that, yes, I think the, they could function more responsibly, all of these streamers, because they all went way overboard with the content spending. They're all going to figure out, and maybe WB and HBO Max is one of the first people to just admit the fact, we got to spend more responsibly. We can't be spending ridiculous amounts of money on all these original movies or whatever when that doesn't make sense business-wise. We're going to make 47 reality shows instead and get our you know spending down. I think all of the other, all of the other streaming services are going to bring down the spending and they're going to spend much more smartly going forward. And I think Disney Which can figure out what? how to do that is my point. What, what it means to me is that Disney's going to figure out s- streaming to me. So I don't see the upside in going for Netflix at, and merging with Netflix for Disney. Like, okay, yeah, they do streaming better than you do, but you just follow them and figure out how to do it. What, like, what's the... Iker's got to see that. You're taking the... Uh, you're going back to Steve Jobs here where he's in the boardroom and like, hey, just just make this. Figure it out. Go. <laughs> I Yeah, that's what I think. I'm Steve Jobs now. I listen to the script enough times. <laughs> I just think the, the upside for Disney 
merging with Netflix is very small. Okay, yeah, now they figure out streaming, but couldn't they just figure that out on their own with all the great IP that they have, all the must-watch television that they have? I don't know what the up like it's it's this is I agree with you in terms of it doesn't make sense to me because I don't I can't figure out the upside for that either. Like you can't even say that Netflix is available in more homes because Disney and Netflix have been going back and forth as to who's the most popular streamer for the past few years. When you combine Hulu, ESPN, right. and Disney Plus right. subs, which I don't like because a lot of those are me either. Bundles. But yes, I agree. But still, it's getting closer. It's like two thirty and one fifty-seven. I thought it was yeah. all combined. But so, what is that? Is that two thirty versus a hundred million? It's still decent. I mean, you're getting there if you're Disney Plus. Obviously, you're spending Netflix amount of money on on streaming, and you got to abridge that. And, but I mean, I guess that it's, it's, that. it's, there's the licensing play, which is easy enough to do. Like you give Netflix your legacy IPs for a cost, but that would be, again, that's a, that's not an acquisition play. Then you're not talking about purchasing Netflix outright. You're talking about merging with them in, in some kind of, or at least par- a partial acquisition. I, I wonder if they'll do business again. Yeah. I wonder. I like if they view, if they ultimately they view streaming as one business and they, and a rising tide could lift all boats kind of thing. Let's just find the best ways to showcase all of our stuff so that people are watching streaming more than they just kill cable with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would be the, the end goal, right? And that's Netflix's end goal to begin with. Let's talk for a second about the wildest speculation here. I mean, Iger's back in the seat. He's the biggest shaker, the biggest acquirer of legacy IP out there. You talked about Lucasfilms. You talked about Marvel already. Uh, we've spent a lot of time talking about David Zaslav's reign over WB Discovery and how WB now wants to, at least according to their earnings report uh, a couple months ago, they want to be in the licensing business. They want to make their money by creating properties and selling them off to people. Are the ducks aligning here for Zaslav to, or for Iger to come in and make a bid maybe to Zaslav and try to purchase uh, DC out from under WB and have everyone's you know comic wet dream come true? This has been long speculated by you, and I, yeah, I could, I could see that before I could see Disney, for, you know, Netflix combining. I can also see like Disney buying Paramount or something. You know, that that makes more sense Oof. to me. You know, I mean, they, or they could officially buy Neon, even though they work with Neon pretty much thoroughly. Uh, you know, all the Neon stuff winds up on Hulu. Right? I mean, couldn't you see that or A24 or something like that? Probably not. Yeah, but, but that wouldn't, that wouldn't shake the industry like what like if disney purchases neon that's a nice acquisition for disney but i don't know like a disney netflix merger is something that may not even happen because of, i agree you know, i agree yeah. the fcc yeah. right biden may just say no right uh, i mean I there's would, a lot of stuff to this there's a lot of arms and a lot of uh, reverberations that are going to be felt obviously from bob Iger coming back to the helm we don't know what's going on with the rights deals with espn and the nba uh, apparently there's a great relationship between uh adam silver who's the nba commissioner and bob Iger here so that, that's presumably going to get figured out we don't know what's going to go on with the theme parks there, I, I saw a lot of people on tiktok who are disney theme park people who were overjoyed at the news that Chapik was has been removed or stepped down hmm. however you want to look at it uh bob paycheck is what they kept calling him uh Ooh. they think he ruined the theme park experience in terms of basically exploiting uh the visitors 
at every turn. Yeah. There's just a lot of arms to this, as there are a lot of arms to Disney in general. So just a massive, massive news drop late on a Sunday night of Thanksgiving week here. Uh, the stock has already responded a little bit. They they jumped in the first day, going up 20%. They're back up to 120 a share. I didn't check what it was this morning. I don't know if that's held. But, you know, I know we end a lot of these stories by saying there's a lot of stuff to watch and we're going to keep an eye on it. This is something that's going to be inevitable to keep an eye on by everyone. It means a lot to the awards business as well. It means it's a true. lot because Iger's played it very well. And, and, he's, and he's had his arms like Searchlight, et cetera, play things very well. He's allowed them to do what they do best, right? And if he does that again, if he delegates again, we could see Disney coming back, you know, with a vengeance on the awards slate. Now, like, does Marvel and did they play the awards game as well as others? No, but I think think he's had certain specialty arms really do it right. Yeah, agree with that, so... Huge story there. Uh, We will certainly be following up on it, no doubt. Let's go turn our attention now strictly to the awards races here. We'll talk about the Governor's Awards that were handed out, and they had their big uh, annual meeting. When was it that? A couple days ago, right, Mike? Yeah, yeah. So this is, of course, where the Academy hands out honorary Oscars and special awards. This year, there were four main recipients, Diane Warren, Peter Weir, Yuzhan Palsy, uh, and they got the three honorary Oscars. And then, of course, Michael J. Fox received the Humanitarian Award. Yeah, this is a lot of this is coming from Rebecca Keegan's piece on The Hollywood Reporter. A couple speech highlights as Woody Harrelson presented Michael J. Fox saying, quote, this guy was a master class in comedy. Uh, he turned a chilling diagnosis into a courageous mission. Michael J. Fox never asked for the role of Parkinson's advocate, but it is his best performance. Uh, when Warren accepted her prize, she held her statuette to the sky and said, quote, Mom, I finally, I finally found a man. Uh, and then she later said, I waited 34 years to say this. I'd like to thank the Academy. Good for after 13 Oscar noms. Good for you, Diane Warren. All her pictures, by the way, on social media the next day. Just mwah, brilliant. Love it. Love her. When Peter Weir gave his speech, he spoke about his years in Hollywood saying, quote, you're so welcoming to foreigners like me. Uh, and then he said, I've gone back to reading about explorers as for what he's been doing in his uh, recent time making these films. It's like a journey, Peter, where the director of Master and Commander, The Way Back, uh, Dead Poet Society, a lot of classics there. And then uh, when Viola Davis presented Yuzan Policy, uh, Davis said, quote, you did not defend your blackness. You did not defend your womanhood. You used it as warrior fuel, unquote. And this Such was a badass quote. Yeah, this was an awesome speech here. Uh, as for Palsy's uh, response when she got to the microphone, she said she had grown tired of hearing from studios that black and female was not bankable. And she said, quote, black is bankable. Female is bankable. Black and female is bankable. My stories are universal. Unquote. Wow. Powerful. I mean, great speeches all around. Powerful stuff, obviously. No wonder these were the recipients on the night. Uh, As for the rest of the night, hosted by Mindy Kaling, many writers said that it returned to pre-pandemic levels of award seasoning, which, of course, meant most importantly of all that it was full of stars and contenders. Who was in attendance here, Mike? Austin Butler, Colin Farrell, Brendan Fraser, Jeremy Pope, uh, Quan, DeArmas, Pugh, Corin, Redmayne, Russell, Eichner, Kiki Palmer, wow. Peel, Ruthie Carter, Viola Davis, Sandler, J-Law, Hanks, Blanchett, and S.S. Raja Mooley, just to name a few there, director of RRR. Wow. It was back. I mean, 
all of the contenders were back full force, getting their pictures taken, rubbing shoulders. It, that matters. That that does. A lot of hobnobbing and shoulder rubbing going on on the red carpet there. That's uh, it's nice to see. That's the Oscars season in full <laughs> form there. And speaking of the Oscar season, the Indie Spirits announced their nominations this week as well. Yeah, let's remind you guys of a few changes to the Indie Spirit event this year. The budget cap raised to $30 million or less that was up from 22.5 million budget cap was raised to whatever everything everywhere all at once his budget was was, (laughs) it's funny it's it is funny 25 million was their budget by the way and yeah it got raised to 30 million but this has been going up for a while anyway the spirits used to be on oscars eve was one of the reasons why we always did an oscar morning show michael Mm -hmm. i still think we'll do kind of an oscars morning show because we're degenerate gamblers oh yeah we'll do something for sure but uh now the spirits are about a, eight days ahead anyway. March 4th, 2023 will be this year's Indie Spirits. That's why we're getting nominations much earlier. And the spirits like the Gotham's and the Beefo Awards have gone to gender-neutral gender acting category. It's coming. Ooh, it's, it's in the pipeline. Yeah. I don't I mean, think I can is... uh, speak there, but yeah. No, it's good. I mean, well, English has never been our forte anyway, so <laughs> what are you going to do about that? But, uh, oh, look at this. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Led the field with nominations. <laughs> Seven <laughs> noms. Uh, feature director, screenplay, lead for Michelle Yeoh, supporting for Jamie Lee Curtis, supporting for Guy Kwan, breakthrough for Stephanie Sue, and editing. Uh, Tar is next. Six noms there. After Sun had five. Emily the Criminal landed four. Palm Trees and Powerlines had four. Woman Talking also landing four. I'm a little surprised that Woman Talking uh, didn't do more there. Well, it's because they got the Robert Altman That's right. Award. That's right. That's and right. And therefore, all their actors, all their performance performers are not eligible. Because Why does that ha- Why do they do that? Well, it's funny because Clayton Davis and, and other people online were pointing out, like, nobody wants this award anymore. <laughs> because... <laughs> well, it's true. It, it, like, it, it kind of cuts you off at the knees and, and stunts momentum. But I guess, you know, there's an argument to be made in the other direction as well. Bones and all, three noms, the cathedral, the inspection, and Marina also landing three noms apiece here. Okay, so let's go through a few of the categories. I got some commentary on them. But uh, first, the snubs. Like, we had Till... The Whale, Armageddon Time, Nanny, Decision to Leave. I'm just comparing Gotham noms to Indie Spirit noms. And now that they're both happening kind of back to back, and we'll have the Gotham of winners next week, guys, on Oscar Race Checkpoint. But we can compare them. And The Whale, weirdly, was not included really at all, especially after Brenda Fraser and company were all over the Gothams, Michael. So, obviously... A weird omission. I wonder if the timing for screeners had something to do with it. I wonder... People were speculating. I, I mean, Brendan Fraser is going to be an Oscar nom at least. I mean, Kristen Stewart landed an Oscar nom, right? Well, Even though her all the momentum in the world stopped for her last year. She still made it to Oscar Sunday. Brendan Fraser is going to be there, isn't he? Small juries select both the Gothams and the Indie Spirit noms, and then the whole awards body, I, be, I believe, votes... Or maybe the Gotham's, I think juries still vote for the winners. Anyway, Film Independent as a group votes for the winners down the line. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised I, I am surprised that Brendan Fraser at least didn't make it as a as a performer there in the lead category. Yeah, that, that's that that's surprising because and that's a fun little showdown that we got happening at Gotham where it's Blanchett versus Frazier versus Yo. That's yeah. cool. I, yeah. I thought we were going to get two versions of that this year, but no. Uh, like we said, Robert Altman Award going to Women Talking. That takes their actors out of those awards. Best Feature, Michael. 
Bones and all, everything everywhere all at once, Tar, Women Talking, and surprisingly, Our Father the Devil. Our Father the Devil was a movie that I almost saw several times at Tribeca, but I either had like some big premiere that I had to go to, but I wanted to see it. I heard good buzz about it. It's a horror movie that hasn't come out yet uh, here uh, domestically, but I hope to see it. Otherwise, like, you know, we have some big names here going against what could be a people's favorite, Bones and all. We'll see how it does this weekend at the box office, but... Go ahead. And uh, as always, I mean, the you know, with the indie the spirits, with the Gotham's, these are nominations and award shows that mean everything and nothing. I mean, how big is their impact on the Oscars race? That's debatable. But at the same time, they're legitimate award shows that no doubt have something to do with momentum for how a, a, a nom is handled throughout Oscar season here. So that's definitely Nobody. something to keep an eye on. Nobody can tell me different. Troy Kotzer won his Oscar at the Gotham acceptance stage. Could be, yeah. I mean, absolutely. It was a heartwarming he moment. charmed the pants off of everybody there. He was hilarious. He was joyous. He reminded us all that, oh, my God, this man should go all the way. Mm-hmm. At the, In that moment, it reminded us all that, what you know, the fact that we've overlooked that community so thoroughly for yeah. so many years. Great Troy, and he did it such a, in such a beautiful, giving, generous way. He won his Oscar at that stage. Nobody could convince me any different, and we said it then. Wouldn't it be beautiful if that's yeah. what happened? So these do matter, and, and next week's Gotham Gotham Awards will matter in that regard. Yeah, I, I your lips to God's ears. I, again, I mean, like, there's a lot of cynics out there who say these words mean absolutely nothing. I understand why. <laughs> and there is, you know, it, it, the, there are minor award shows, and there's certain cutoffs, and it's only $30 million unless we talk. But, but again, like, it's it's clear that there's something to do with momentum here. You can't be condemned, but you could be boosted. I would yeah, say, there like, go. there's upside. I mean, like, the, Brandon Fraser is not going to miss out because he missed out exactly. at Indie Spirits, and even though people may say that if he doesn't win at the end of the day, I don't know. I, I don't I don't believe that because we've seen so many eventual Oscar winners mm-hmm. not get nominated, even though they could have been, should have been, right? Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's it, it's. It's a weird ball game, and it's gonna. Now we at least have that storyline too to follow. I mean, we're gonna see how Brendan Fraser gets treated throughout award season here. We thought he was certainly a lock, and Vegas obviously thinks he's a lock. We just talked about that in our last episode. But uh, moving on to the next big category here at the Indie Spirits, Best Director, Tars shows up here as well for Todd Field after Yang with Koganada. Maybe a surprising entry here. Everything, everywhere, all at once for the Daniels. Women talking, Sarah Polly, and Bodies, Bodies, Bodies makes a uh, appearance here for Helena Rain. And with Best Screenplay. Four of those nominees are shared. So that's, again, that's Tar, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Women Talking that are in feature, director, and screenplay. That matters. And then it's really cool to see Bodies, 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 Helena Rain in director. It's really cool to see Catherine called Birdie, Lena Dunham, in screenplay. And Michael, I would say keep your antennas up for Catherine called Birdie at the Writers Guild Awards. Because huh. we've now seen Catherine called Birdie get the screenplay, and it's really, it is a really fun screenplay. She is an industry darling, Lena Dunham, yeah, she is. going all the way back through Girls, etc., and Tiny Furniture. And now we have several resume builders for Lena Dunham going for her candidacy with that screenplay. I think people want her to break through, and that's that could be fun, and that could be an opening at the Writers Guild. Aside from that, it's also going to be fun to see Tar against everything, everywhere, all at once, against women talking a couple yeah. of those categories. All three. So that that's going to be that's going to be the story of the day for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that matchup continues. That that trifecta continues in the best lead performance category. We have Kate Blanchett of Tar. We have uh, 
Michelle Yeoh of Everything Everywhere All at Once. Well, obviously we don't have women talking in here, but we we have other Oscar hopefuls. Dale Dickey, A Love Song, Mia Goth, Pearl, Regina Hall, Honk, Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. Maybe not in the Oscar contention as as we would have would like uh many of us but paul mescal i think he's in the mix for after sun yeah uh jeremy pope is in the mix for the inspection and then uh taylor russell you know nobody's doing the red carpets better than taylor russell right now bones and all uh otherwise aubrey plaza really cool to see her there again coming back to the spirits as a nominee after the hostings uh for emily the criminal andrea reesborough to Leslie, and did I miss one more? Anyway, that's it. But uh, love Mia Goth nom. Love the Dale Dickey nom, by the way. Yeah. Really, yeah, really we were, good performance. We were big fans of hers a couple years ago, too. What was that movie that she was in? Um, Was that was that a... Well, Winter's Bone was her breakthrough. Yep. But yeah, I don't remember. But we've been praising Dale Dickey for a while. She's awesome. Yeah. Uh, ten noms, too, for the lead performance, and they're, they're not cutting down on... Uh, like some of the other... Uh, when they do the combined gender categories, they're not cutting down on noms. They're treating it as if there was two lead categories still with 10 noms here for the Indie Spirits. And how about eight out of 10 women there? That's And that's, yeah. for the, you know, look, based on what the year has been, no offense to the guys, that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. The the, the actress performances have been incredible. It's just been an all-timer year for, for the actresses. Anyway, best supporting performances, Michael. We have uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Everything Everywhere. We have Brian Tyree Henry, Causeway. I don't think that's his name, though. Anyway, Nina Haas, Tar, <laughs> Brian Darcy Cha- James for the Cathedral. The Cathedral's showing up everywhere. Gotham's, and I haven't seen that. It's That was two New York film festivals ago. Uh, Gahui Kwan, Everything Everywhere. So that's two from Everything Everywhere. Trevante Rhodes for Bruiser. Theo Rossi, Emily, Emily the Criminal. Mark Rylance. There he is. Ah! <laughs> Bones and all. Jonathan Trucker and uh, Gabrielle Union, Palm Trees and Power Lines, and the inspection, uh, respectively. Gabrielle Union's got a lot of supporting actress buzz, buzz from the inspection. Going to have to see that soon. That's coming around. Yeah. And again, I mean, just Jamie Lee Curtis, please. Can we get some momentum for Jamie Lee Curtis <laughs> to win an Oscar here? This is good for her that she's yeah. here. And look, I think you got potential Oscar nominees in this category. And. Is it vote sharing for the two from Everything Everywhere? But then you got Nina Haas, Brian Tyree Henry, and Gabrielle Union. That's five, I would say, contenders in the supporting categories. Obviously, it would be much more if the Robert Altman Award didn't go to Women Talking. We'd have at least three more, you would expect, with Foy, Buckley, and Wishaw. I, wow. Are you surprised to see Brian Tyree Henry and no Jennifer Lawrence? I'm a little bummed because I love Jennifer Lawrence and Causeway. I would say... Though. Brian Tyree Henry is, is is awesome in Causeway. He was just what a what a what a disciplined actor too. Because it's not like this big, huge, showy performance. But God, does he break your heart, and you just want to hug him. And that's the whole movie. You just want to hug the guy, which is a typical supporting actor performance mm. that gets nominated if you love the character. Whereas the abrasive ones, maybe not. I mean, the the f- delicious bad guy performances, yes, but the real bad bad guy performances, no. And obviously, that's, I'm going on a rant here, but Brian Tyree Henry, the lovable supporting actor, oh God, nominate them all day. Also, because of what he did in Super Bowl 42, I want to hug him. The helmet but, catch. Stop no, saying right. helmet catch. <laughs> <laughs> Stop suggesting helmet catch. That stupid commercial. Love anyway. it. Cinematography noms. We have Tar, Marina, After Sun, Pearl, and Neptune Frost, as well as editing here. The noms are The Cathedral, Marcel the Shell with Shoes on, After Sun, Everything Everywhere, and Tar as well. So, 
Tar getting both editing and cinematography. My my antennas go up there. After Sun getting both, my antennas go up there. Just sure. just saying, just saying. And Tar being treated so well is is maybe a bit of. I mean, you would think Women Talking would be treated equally as well if it wasn't up for the Altman Award too. So that would be kind of a a narrative to run with as well. But yeah, Tar and everything everywhere, everywhere all over these noms. Now, I should have written this in. It just came out last night. But the uh, European Film Award crafts came through. The winners. EO won score. If I'm, I'm just going off the top of my head. Belfast won costume and production design. And I think the other one was All Quiet on the Western Front. I forget what won cinematography now. But All Quiet on the Western Front won something. Anyway, we don't have after sun winning there and it, and it could have i believe okay. so that that's maybe a knock against after sun's campaign because after sun was just getting in everywhere bifa obviously everywhere up till now which is going to matter for its candidacy but uh we'll move on to best international film at the spirits we have corsage joyland which is getting a lot of buzz coming out of pakistan leonor will never die i think that's the the lone non- Oscar eligible title here. Otherwise, we got, like I said, Corsage, Joyland, Return to Soul, and Saint Omer being four out of those five that are going to factor into Best International Feature at the Oscars. After Sun shows up as well in Best First Feature alongside Emily the Criminal, The Inspection Marina, Palm Trees, and Power Lines. If you were to bank on After Sun getting one surprise Oscar nom, would it be Mezcal? Would it be one of the techs? I think Mezcal is absolutely in contention and best actor. I think okay. those last few spots are totally open. I agree. And I could totally see that. And I love that After Sun is just mopping up at all these award shows right at the beginning of, of the season. So it's front and center in all our brains. The problem is, did it play well enough in theaters? Did enough people see it at the Academy? Like that's the, the you know, Feinberg was just talking about this. Is this new academy, younger academy, this academy that's working much more, are they going to see enough movies to get to the deep bench of the award slate? Or are they just going to see the Top Guns and the Tars and the and the movies that everybody sees? You know? There was some critic, I can't remember, I think I retweeted her, I cannot remember her, and I should have looked this up beforehand, but she said that of all the uh, academy members she's spoken to thus far, the movies that keep coming up are big ones top gun maverick yeah uh another blockbuster and then like a secondary indie film that did very well so it's will they get to after so not deep not a deep bench so far and again that's anecdotal we'll see what happens but we know there's a history of the academy already not getting to every movie but i love the spirit so much michael because like you could go i mean they have so many categories that are putting forward like the next gen oscar campaigner yeah you know and and john cassavetti's award obviously movies from made for less than a million the african desperate which i reviewed at new directors new films here's a love song again the cathedral again holy emmy got a couple noms and something in the dirt which uh, i saw at sundance love that five i mean Very they all cool. they're all are winners in that five and then first screenplay you got fire island which is get getting the gotham tribute and probably is the, one of the leading contenders at the friggin' uh, Emmy's best original movie next year. Here's Palm Trees and Power Lines again for first screenplay. Emergency, awesome movie on Amazon. Bodies, 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 Amen. And Emily the Criminal there. Best breakthrough performance. We have Frankie Corio from After Sun, Gracia Filipovich of Marina, Stephanie Sue, Everything Everywhere, Lily McIrney, Palm Trees and Power Lines, and Daniel Zogardi from Funny Pages. And then someone to watch. 
Uh, that award, we have the nominees Adama Ibo of Honk for Jesus to Save Your Soul, Nick Yatu Jusu of Nanny. Nanny didn't do as well at the Spirits or the Gothams. I'm a little surprised there, but uh, glad to see her in here. Uh, these are really talented filmmakers. Araceli Lemos of Holy Emmy. And then uh, they they give out doc awards for the, or they give out awards for the documentaries too, in terms of the rising stars. Uh, Isabel Castro of Mija. Uh, Reed Davenport, I didn't see you there. Rebecca Hunt of Biba, which I did see, really good uh, documentary there. That's the Truer Than Fiction Award for Rising Stars and Documentary. And then we have Best Documentary, All That Breathes, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, which I'm going to review in a minute, A House Made of Splinters, Midwives, and Riotsville, UF, USA. Michael, we have we have a lot of cool movies showcased at the Spirit, so I'm, I'm, really, I'm really excited to see them. And some of those best documentary noms at the Spirits also find their way into the International Documentary Association noms, the IDA, which is the the words you couldn't come up with at the <laughs> stop of the show here. And best feature nominees here for the IDAs: All That Breathes, uh, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, Fire of Love, A House Made of Splinters, Katrina Babbles, Miha Navalny, The Pawn Shop, and Young Plato. Or Katrina Babies, which I just watched, uh, or Babbles. Babbles or Babies, Babbles? I don't know. You said Babbles, oh, which is right. a unique way to scrabble that one. I'm, I'm sorry, Miss Babies. <laughs> <laughs> Katrina Babies is uh, actually about uh, the, the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, Michael. So it's just somehow Katrina Babbles, what an idiot. <laughs> Katrina Babbles. I mean, She's it's clearly just... spelt Babies on the page. No, Mike, Mike, and Oscar Babbles. That's what we do. <laughs> Katrina Babies is really an excellent documentary. Good God, yeah. Be All Day, really strong. I just watched it on HBO Max. and uh, But look, I'm here to review All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. I saw that as an IDA member with a screening. Nan Golden, Loya Poitras. I, I was really impressed with this documentary, Michael. They tell and weave three hugely emotional stories with a bunch of subplots along the way. It's a testament to Nan Golden's own life, which is just, my God, she's lived large. Uh, what a what a life she's lived already. But you have, like, the current protests of the opioid prices, her work against the Sackler family. That is, like, the caught-on-camera today, modern-day uh, through line, I would say, for this bio doc, but it goes back to her experience through the AIDS crisis as this, you know, legendary photographer. And they have such a weight of photographs to just showcase throughout this. Like, I, mm. I was on my laptop at the beginning of this movie, shamefully. By, by like 15 minutes in, my laptop is just closed and I huh. am watching this movie just completely raptured. Two-thirds of the film is probably told through flashbacks. It's very hard to make that work. But you have all the archival footage. You have all her photographs. You have her telling the story first person. What what a family story she has. So that's probably one of the... like It's a family story, a career story, and then it's a modern-day protest against the op- opioid crisis. That, that's, that's, those are the three wings of that story. B-plus, 88, 89, all day... For all the beauty and the blood bloodshed, I have to give it a high grade. And it's what a rewarding experience this was, and I can't. I gotta recommend it. Coming from Neon, is the archival footage aspect of it the reason that it's kind of lost a little momentum here? We thought it was going to be no doubt the leader in the clubhouse in the category, and it's it, it's still a strong contender, but it's not been treated as the the no doubt leader thus far. We've commented on. I think that it's 
uh, a front runner is the reason why <laughs> people have dogged it. That's what I think. I think. They, All right. But then again, I'm a little surprised at who dogged it because usually they put forward the front runner. That's the Critics' Choice Documentary Awards. Now that I'm remembering, they're the yeah. ones that didn't nominate it in Best Feature. They did nominate Laura Poitras in Best Director. Otherwise, it's shown up everywhere. All the all the beauty and the bloodshed. It's on all the key lists, Cinema Eye and uh, the Doc NYC list. It's it's everywhere else. So that was the one miss for all the beauty and the bloodshed. Since then, it's shown up even at the Gotham's, the Spirits, and and now the IDA nom. So I would say that that is a as sure a nominee as we have. Well, <laughs> then I look forward it. to seeing it miss the Oscars. Yeah, <laughs> now, now, may. but this is like one of those journalistic achievements that I would say this is not this. This is not the "Won't you be my dar?" or "Won't you be my darling?" or "Won't you be my Babbles. neighbor?" Yeah, Babbles. Yes, I think uh, I don't think it's the type of front runner that typically gets snubbed. It's not just the crowd pleaser that the documentary branch is afraid everybody's going to vote for at the end of the day. This is hard hitting journalism. That they should be proud of, in my opinion. All right. I mean, the archival footage aspect worries me. The front-runner aspect worries me. But it's nice to hear that it's a film that's worthy of all type and acclaim thus far. Uh, you have some snubs you wanted to highlight, though, Mike. Yeah, real quick. I was surprised to see the IDA snub Goodnight Oppie. I was surprised to see them snub Descendant, Moonage Daydream, Senior. They've been showcasing them with Yeah, those are with big, big title names that uh, we've, we've focused on here. But that being said, you got a couple discoveries from the from the IDA and the pawn shop, Young Plato. We have not heard those names before. A house made of splinters has had a late break, I would say, uh, in both the uh, both the spirits and the IDAs now. So those screenings have happened. Look, at Goodnight Oppie did not screen until today. Uh, and which is its Amazon Prime release date. So that's a movie I still have to see. I know it did the festivals, but the IDA screening date, maybe that was a factor because, hmm. you know, it wasn't available. Maybe it's screened in person, but not online. Yeah. I'm kind of doing the online thing. But anyway, that's that's a surprising snub because it just did so well at the Critics' Choice Documentary Awards winning a lot. I think it won four. Anyway. It is odd how... The- the more headline grabbing documentaries seem to have played well with, you know, critics choice awards versus something like the IDA here. I haven't seen it yet, but I hear that that one's like Wally just roaming around Mars and it's adorable. Or is it? I don't know. Like I can't wait to watch that one. I'm going to watch that over the Thanksgiving day break. Uh, I can't, I can't wait to see Goodnight night. Oppie, but that's a supposedly a fun space documentary that has like the personal touch. And so maybe that one is what will get snubbed. And maybe that's the type of movie that the critics, you know, choice always puts forward. And everybody's like, I'm afraid they're going to make that the winner. It should be the winner. <laughs> Got the documentary branch, right? Let's never be happy. Yeah, let's make sure we're never happy. Uh, We'll transition and talk about the Sunset Circle Award nominations that came out recently. Yeah, the Weber Awards. Yeah. Eric Weber, pal of the show. He's he's a big part of these and uh, the Sunset Circle. Always cool to see them come out first. And I think they've had a good crossover in the past. I didn't redo that. I've done that on other episodes of the show where they've gotten a lot right. So their best film category, Michael, is After Sun, Decision to Leave, Elvis, Everything Everywhere, The Menu, She Said, RRR, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, and Women Talking. That does seem like an Oscar-y 10. And I think there's some 
strength shown by a lot of these bigger movies. Women Talking had six. Decision to Leave had six noms apiece. In terms of five noms, She Said Tar and Top Gun, all with five. And then with four noms apiece, you had RRR, The Menu, Everything Everywhere, and Elvis. After Sun with three noms. And uh, otherwise, I think The Fablemans had three noms along with Empire of Light. The Fablemans not getting into best film, but a couple of scenes. Eric Weber was not high. I, I don't. I can't speak obviously for the entire voting body there, but Eric Weber personally not high on The Fablemans. Yeah, we're. Uh, I'm seeing that very soon tonight. I can't wait. So I don't know. I think we're going to do that as a film study for the weekend. We'll have to. You guys will have to wait and see. But mm. some cool additional categories from the Sunset Film Circle as well, Michael. Five fire directors are Parker Friend from Smile, Dean Fleischer Camp from Marcella Shell, Chloe Acuno from Watcher, Charlotte Wells from After Sun, and Ty West of Pearl and X. There's also the Scene Stealer Award. Jennifer Ellie? Eel? I've heard people say Ailey. Ailey? I've always been saying Ale. Jennifer from She Said, Judd Hirsch, <laughs> David Lynch from The Fablemans, Brad Pitt, The Lost City, and Taylor Swift from Amsterdam. Yeah, kudos to the Sunset Film Circle. Can't wait to see who they pick as winners. I think that's coming fairly soon. Uh, otherwise, we'll get into a box office update for the moment. I'm very curious at what the upcoming box office of the Fablemen, Strange yeah, World, me too. Uh, Devotion, etc. is going to be for this week. What is Knives Out 2 going to do at the box office? Will they release those numbers even from Netflix? We don't know. But Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, still in the lead, winning in its second weekend. Yes, I think they fell almost 70%, which is not great, but 67.3 million, 546 was its total af- uh, through the weekend worldwide. It's already passed half a billion dollars in two weeks. That's fine. Decent. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> the menu did 9 million. It did open wide. And I have a question. I- I'm going to admit my ignorance here for a second. Searchlight. Went wide with the menu. I think it did what? How many theaters? 3,200? I was going to say 3,000 plus. So, yeah, that makes sense. 9 million. Is that a movie that typically goes wide? What is the market share nowadays? Because it probably used to be fixed. What is the, the new piece of the pie? Who's taking what? Theaters versus studios. If you over circulate kind of a movie that wouldn't be circulated at this level. Does Disney take less? Theaters take more, or vice versa? I would guess I don't the vice versa. What you're asking here. I'm asking if the menu's piece of the pie is different than Black Panther's. Is Disney getting a larger piece of the pie for Black Panther than it is for the menu? Are they negotiating different across. deals? I mean, I'm is sure it? there's leeway, but I thought it was pretty standard that it's 50 50, no, between theater and studio? I wonder. I just wonder because something like she said which didn't do as well, but they put out in two, putting over it nicely. 2,000 theaters. I wonder if there's a different deal for Universal. I I don't obviously know the answer to that. Here's what I'll rebut with, and it's maybe a little off topic, but it's, it's still the same idea when you're talking about the menu maybe underperforming, you're talking about She Said maybe underperforming. There is a disconnect here in the box office. And it's probably greater now than ever before between blockbuster fare and niche or specialty or genre film. The niche specialty genre film typically platformed all those years ago. I'm looking at these films that used to be much smaller, getting a wider release, release much sooner. And that's because yeah, but the budgets are, are, are surprisingly 
bigger too. I mean, the menu is not yeah. a small. You know, thirty-five million for the menu. She said was what forty million. Thirty. Yeah. So I agree. Those are bigger budgets, and it makes sense. I just wonder what the cuts are, if the cuts are standard anymore, because obviously we know that the windows were blown up by all the PVOD of the pandemic. Those all those rules are blown up. Those don't count anymore. They're all are they over making? The place, yeah. Are they making different deals now than they used to? I, I would wonder about that because I'm I'm watching these movies go to streaming pretty quickly. We're gonna I can't imagine they are. I, I would think if they are for as, you know, up in arms and as vocal as NATO, the National Alliance of Theater Owners, has been about every little change coming out of the yeah. pandemic, I would think that would be all over the trades. They'd be complaining really? about studios trying to nickel and dime them okay. because theaters aren't surviving as it is. I mean, that's, uh, that's, it's all speculation. I have no all idea. All speculation. Anyway, I got a movie to review here with the menu because I did see it, and it was really good. It was, it was a strong way to follow through on this pre- premise, Michael. It is certainly a horror comedy. It is certainly a hard horror movie. Very funny first act. I don't think the comedy can last with how terrifying this movie gets uh, the next hour or so because it is I just I give them credit. I give these succession people credit, Mark Mylod, etc., the writers over there, because like these horror elements are strong. I did a little thing on Twitter about how many scary nominations the menu would have gotten. I mentioned three, you know, best slash worst achievement in food, best villainous performance, <laughs> funniest horror comedy. In retrospect, I would have added a few more. Anya Taylor Joy, I'm sure I would have found a spot in one of the best lead actress categories. And then I would have I this was idiotic that I didn't mentioned nicholas holt yeah he would he would have been in one of those supporting actor categories at the scary so this was a b85 all day definitely recommend it i i, I want movies like this to do really well it's really good genre yeah film. i mean that's and it's it's a major studio but like it's this is the frustration and it's something that the box office is going to have to solve and maybe this is where disney uh, coming into bed with netflix makes sense is that if netflix is going to be the home for these types of movies from now on, because nobody's yeah. seeing them at the box office. Disney sees that as an opportunity to jump on too. But this is search. Well, this is Searchlight. They could have easily put this out, just like a lot of Searchlight originals, on Hulu. Yeah, it could have done Fresh, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, like they're like Fresh, like Prey did, and it could have been a hit on Hulu. Now I and wonder it when it goes to Hulu. But here we have nine million dollars, which is a solid number, you would think, for a movie like this is in, in its opening weekend. I wonder how how many legs, how much, how the legs travel to try and what save if, that metaphor during our failman's review i instead go see the menu and just comment on that. <laughs> i know you wanted to see it I so do. you should go see it you got to get a list will you i have been seen... so lacking in my movie watching lately. doing I'm just, yeah I'm, I'm nothing i well that's not true i've been i've been doing a lot of other stuff <laughs> you've been making some money i hear you <laughs> no, keep telling me you know, yeah well not not this past weekend <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> the opposite happened. <laughs> you're you're you're. I, is, can I say the tide is tilting? Does that make sense? No. I, my tomorrow's a big games. day, Michael. Tomorrow okay. is a big, big day. <laughs> big day tomorrow. <laughs> you're gonna recover fully tomorrow. Anyway, uh, like, look, I'm asking all these questions about you know pie charts and whatever, but we have a movie. Uh, not the movie. It's two episodes of season three of The Chosen, which is on Amazon Prime and Tubi. A religious uh, TV series make eight point two million at thirty two hundred plus theaters, Michael, in its opening weekend. So, what the hell do we make of this? 
It's a special event. It's Fathom Events. AMC's that made almost as much while. as the menu's debut. Right. That's it's, it's theaters crazy. getting creative. It's theaters getting creative and and finding an audience for what the audience wants. I mean, they want the first two premiere episodes of the you know the creation, not the creation story, the Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth story, New Testament story. It's a show that's really been successful on Amazon Prime and Tubi, and they they put the first two episodes out, and boom, eight point two million. That's but my point business. is that's I mean that's that is smart business and that's good for theaters obviously but that's really bad for studios wanting to do movies like the menu and she said it's it's alarming for some of those other titles I would say it, it it's definitely a contrast I mean even had... even even the big superhero movie like Black Adam right. which we commented on our last box office uh, review last week I mean it's not going to make money. Not a great hold, not at all. It's done 366 through last weekend, 4.4 domestically, fourth place. Ticket to Paradise, which was on PBOD for 20 bucks, still did 3.2 million. That's up to 158. She said 2.2 million, 2,000 theaters. It did another half a million internationally, so that's 2.8 million. Ultimately, she said it's going to find its way to uh, Peacock sooner because I'm seeing, I'm noticing. A lot of uh, those movies on the Universal Focus Features slate wind up on Peacock in shorter windows, I would say. And this this would make sense going there. I'm worried for She Said because it should be an Oscars player. I'm worried for Tar. I'm worried for Banshees, even though I think Banshees is held out with some pretty good solid business over the long haul. It definitely platformed and did well. Tar, I'm just straight up worried about. But you she could, said, you could, uh, extrapolate that out to Bones and All too, which didn't do well on. I mean, it did okay in its limited what release. Is Bones and All going to do this week? That's yeah. I'm so curious about it. Will that hit the mainstream and actually work? It's such a bizarre film. I thought the movie worked. I, I've it's obviously got the star power with Chalamet and Russell, and of course Michael Stuhlbarg, huge star. Yeah. No, but I mean Chalamet's got the Teenage the movie star crazy, factor. Bro. Will they go see him in this? Because they have to. What did what did what did um? Mm-hmm. I can't even think of the, the Olivia Wilde movie's name right now. Don't worry, darling. Yeah, what did that end up doing? I know we commented on it last time. I can't it remember. It did good business overall. I, I think, mean, that, and that's got to be attributed to Harry Styles more than you know anything right now. Didn't it finish with over like ninety million and on a twenty million dollar budget? Like, who knows what the marketing was, but. I thought they did well enough. They put it on HBO Max much sooner than they probably should have, and typically you do that when... 86 million worldwide on a... Yeah, yeah. you've already made your profits, and now you want to boost your streamer. Or you do that on the flip side, where it's like you might as well put it as an exclusive on the streaming service because you're not going to make the money you want on PBOD. Is this the only way you get to like 70, 80, 90, 100 million box offices having a teenage heartthrob in your lead now? I'm going to be looking out for that number. I don't know it's what not it, starting with, uh, it's going to do. Ray Fines, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, 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 weird box office is in a weird spot. For as much as many places as you want to hear about the movies being back and the theaters being back, it's not. Not, it's, not for everything, and yeah. especially not for the specialty box office. Yeah, know, like you said, uh, I, I just I love that Ray Fines versus Anya Taylor Joy showdown, though. By the way, anyway, uh, Banshees came in at a ten. 
it's done 16.5 worldwide. I rewatched that, hoping that the Martin McDonough factor would grow on me because typically his movies and his screenplays grow on me. Yeah. I kind of come away the same, thinking the same. Like, that movie is just a, an odd duck. And I you're like not, it. You're not crazy, but and you like McDonough stuff. I, I do. I like in Bruges going back. I mean, he's always he always says the darndest things. His characters are bad people, <laughs> and they say awful shit. And it's you know it's not it's not. Uh, but he's you know it's a critique on them, obviously. And the Banshees is not necessarily in that re- refrain, but it's it's just a bummer. What a bummer. That movie makes me... And it's not necessarily a bummer story all the way through. Like, you could find many a silver linings. I'm not spoiling anything. I'm trying to be vague about spoilers. But it's... it's. I feel awful, like David Long said, after watching that movie. <laughs> I was, like, really depressed last night or a couple nights ago when I... Uh, after seeing it for another time. That's a terrible way to endorse the movie. I'm That's why people go to the movies. I'm doing the opposite. <laughs> when I, But it's a, it's a well-made movie, and the performances are incredible. From Condon, from from uh, Farrell and Gleason, for that matter. Well, and of- and uh, Keegan. Uh, Keoghan. Keoghan? Bar- Barry Keoghan. Mm-hmm. Joker. Uh, sure. Speaking of well-made <laughs> movies, give me a review here of All Quiet on the Western Front. You think this is going to be, or should be, a major Oscars player? I think it should be. Now, I could see All Quiet on the Western Front being the, oh my God, how is this snubbed movie of the year, especially in, in the international feature category i could see it doing well at the globes i could see it doing well in a lot of ways but i could see the art films rising to the top of that category as well because best international feature typically does this Mm -hmm. anyway original score i was over the moon for the transitional music of this movie it's been a great year for transitional music like corsage did a really wonderful job i'm addicted to those songs from camille etc but i I love the music. I love the production design. Obviously, you're you're digging out all these trenches. I mean, it's 1917 levels of production design. You got quite the sets being done on a massive scale of this World War One actioner. You have VFX that's next level. So, All Quiet on the Western Front could be a player beyond the international film category. I would vote for a Felix Kammerer. I would vote for a Mr. Albrecht Schutz. I'm probably mispronouncing his uh, name, but in the in the lead. Actor and supporting actor categories, respectively. I think they're tremendous. Are they're they both probably, in your top five? They're probably in my top ten. So okay. if I'm honest, I'd probably get them nudged out by others, but I, I could see them. I mean, they're on the level. They're on the level of what should be a top-tier performance. So that was that was beautiful to watch. I read this novel in high school, and I was forced to, and I remember having to watch the best picture winner in that same class, my sophomore year high school literature class. And I remember being infuriated by the finale. And I remember the teacher also showing us or recommending, maybe I watched it on my, my own Gallipoli as a, mm. as a, you know, companion piece, mm-hmm. the Mel Gibson Australian film. It, it's a war as hell kind of thing. It's a war as, you know, just being run by madmen type of uh narrative there and a moral of the story and it does follow through and it's absolutely infuriating which is the third act of this movie so going in knowing that hopefully that helps some people but i like the huge action sequences some legit terrifying moments of action sequences and it made all the more terrifying because you know it was true uh from world war one this is this is quite the movie watching experience netflix I wish they 
played this in theaters for a month. I know they did the qualifying run, but this is the type of movie that should be seen on the big screen. My God, is it intense and immersive uh, from Netflix. So I, I give them credit for getting behind and all quiet on the Western front. I wish it was more of a player theatrically, but I, like B plus 88 all day. Hmm, so this is a wow. high grade for me. And I didn't like the ending. So that's where I'm at a with theme all for a couple of the contenders this year that they leave a sour taste in your mouth by the time the credits roll for you. Yeah, I mean, this is the story of our podcast, isn't it? We we do all these Oscar movies. Like, I hate this so much. It could have been great if not for that. That made me so sad. But maybe I just want to be happy. And you you can't be happy with a war movie like this. That's not a spoiler. You guys know what you're going in for. All quiet on the Western Front. But, yeah, I I got a couple more movies that I do want to make the case for. I already talked about All uh, all the Beauty and the Bloodshed and Katrina Babies as documentaries. I watched Aftershock. Yeah. On Hulu, Michael, this is about the inequality of maternal mortality in black communities. Jesus. This is truly shocking. Truly shocking numbers. I didn't realize this. So many more uh, surgeries done at that level and, and with uh, people that have, you know, health care that's not privatized. And it's just, it really is bone shattering, uh, bone chilling, excuse me. I was put in an awkward position because I'm so over the moon at my brother's uh, he's a new daddy and I'm watching him and and I'm watching uh, him and Lauren just be, you know, have such a successful uh, my God, are they just, you know, on cloud nine with my, my my niece, the newborn baby. And this is the story of two fathers and two families after the tragic deaths of the mothers that could have been prevented with Ugh. post-pregnancy comp- complications and watching those 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 people grieve for the centerpiece of the film and then watching them overcome it and and become advocates and you have a final 40 minutes of aftershock that gets beyond the shock and becomes a totally uplifting now see that to me story. sounds like why is that not a contender because that, should be. that is the exact format that I think the documentary feature branch goes after. It's this horrific, horrible story, but it ends yeah. with a bright line. This is in my top five right right now, which is why I insisted on doing this review for Aftershock. Because Good. this is this is a final 40 minutes that after you're heartbroken in the middle, you're uplifted and you're shown solutions that they are pursuing. And all of the advocates and the heroic doctors involved going to bat for these communities and certainly these communities uplifting themselves, you know, creating birthing centers, etc. I was just very impressed with this documentary, which is on Hulu. You can watch it. And I, I it's in my five right now. I, I'm rooting for it. There's no doubt about it. And uh, it's one of those where you just, you just blown away and you're shocked at the, at the ills that need fixed. But this is a, Another hard-hitting journalistic piece that I do think that that brand should acknowledge, and I hope they do. I, that was not one that was on my radar at all. I'm glad you got to that because that's something I will be checking out now. Uh, one that was on my radar, I have not. Got, I was thinking about starting. Uh, is it Stutz? Yeah, Stutz. Phil Stutz, the the therapist of Jonah Hill, the therapist of Walking Phoenix back in the day. Uh, this is a documentary to entertain, I would say, but also educate. And the balance between the two is brilliant. I really love this documentary. It was such a th- therapeutic watch, for lack of a better word. It's just one wholesome, 
one good for the soul and good for the brain kind of watch because you have Jonah Hill going through a journey of his own therapy, wrestling with how he's trying to make this movie. Uh, and also him and his doctor, just the tete-a-tete is hilarious throughout. So just watch this movie, Stutz on Netflix, B plus 87, another high grade. Again, it's in my five right now for documentaries. I was going to start grades. that last night, but I instead I watched a couple episodes of the FIFA documentary and i watched the first episode of uh pepsi where's my jet okay how are those uh, very entertaining i mean fifa Good. is is what a horror what we have to do mike <laughs> you and i have to become heads of some international sports organization because they are all just so corrupt and nobody cares nobody cares they just give me my football <laughs> yeah. yeah they just like I'll, I'll give me all the money you have and i'll help you out a little bit and everybody knows it's happening. And oh my god, the convergence of events that have to happen for people to give enough of a shit to actually gather evidence against them is amazing. Yeah. Well, I tell you, I finished Welcome to Wrexham, and I feel similarly about the whole industry there. And yeah. I also ran. I also ran out of Guinness. Is what happened <laughs> because I can't watch something. I can't watch all these guys drink beer and then not do it. Anyway, well, speaking uh, of I, Ryan Reynolds, you also checked out Spirited. <laughs> Look, I just want to end with this little cherry on the Sunday. I watched Spirited. I watched uh, a Christmas Story Christmas. I watched uh, them with family members, and both were wonderful. I'm not like, going to listen am, to this. There's no way a Christmas Story Christmas is as good as everyone's it, saying. It, Look, it. Do you like a Christmas Story? Yeah, except I've been beaten over the head with it in the last well, like 10, 15 years. If you like the humor of the original film, th- this movie is in the same vein. It's a well-told continuation story. The emotional beats worked, and then it's funny. And then you get all the nostalgia of having the cast members, the original cast members who are still alive and well, return. So I was... I was surprised that that nostalgia play worked on me as well as it did A Christmas Story Christmas. You're not the only one. It's gotten high high review marks. And there's been a lot of like these original or the, these retreads, these requels mm-hmm. done especially made for TV versions not doing well. Disenchanted being one of them that I hear. I haven't really uh, I haven't watched that one yet. When that one, when they refused to put that one in theaters, that was a huge red flag for me because I thought that would have been an easy moneymaker. But there, there's a Goliath like Disney not getting it to work and here you have one of the few original movies that have been (laughs) you know continued to put on hbo max right after them taking so many others off but this one really works so they had the goods with a christmas story christmas and spirited on apple my god it must it must have cost them so much money ryan reynolds (laughs) will ferrell octavia spencer all brilliant all belting out the music in this movie michael Oh my God! Can Octavia Spencer sing? I never knew. And huh. here you have Ryan Reynolds just singing and dancing. Will Ferrell, you knew, but holy shnikes, they did a great job. And these, and it, number one, it's a twist on the Scrooge story. We did a, uh, didn't we do a Scrooge like uh, Christmas special one year? Where did we, we did do that, or of, did we talk about doing it? Did we talk about doing it? Did we actually do it? I don't remember. I thought we did like a a Scrooge movie award show or something. We must because I just remember we? you forced me to watch like fifteen Scrooge movies. We must have done it. I think we had to have we're done getting, it. <laughs> this is we're we've done this too long. <laughs> <laughs> this would have been the perfect time to do it because what a twist on the Scrooge story. So that's fun to watch, and then the production values, holy shnikes! But I mention it here in the make the case segment because this should be 
Spirited should be a best original song contender. They got like three or four. That should wind up on the short list for best original songs. If it doesn't, there's something wrong there. We they should have a, bri- a bright glowing neon sign for a warning that says, you know, also Mike loves Christmas movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just surprised. Look, I didn't watch the uh, Lindsay Lohan movie on Netflix. I know go to recent activity. They watched even more than we did, but I wanted to end with this cherry on the Sunday because spirited should be a best original song contender. A Christmas story. Christmas should certainly be a best Emmy contender best emmy uh t- made for tv movie film and that's like i mean look we got fire island we yeah, got that weird. category is gonna be stacked honor society i think from paramount which is one of my favorite movies of the year for christ's sake go watch that one on paramount plus and a christmas story christmas these are four excellent movies made only for streaming i think they're not going oscars at all that they did not have qualifying runs and therefore that category is already stacked holy shit yeah and it's only december too no, not Only even December. Christmas. Yeah, I mean, you have another like eight months to go in the Emmy season, Emmy Awards season for next year. Holy cow. Loaded Oscar race checkpoint today. Uh, all kinds of awards news, Christmas news, and obviously the big story at the top here. We didn't even have time to, to fit in any trailers this episode. There was so much stuff going on. Uh, yeah. We'll get back to those probably in our next Oscar race checkpoint, but our next next episode probably will not be an Oscar race checkpoint. It'll be... It's going to depend on how many movies we see because this is a loaded week for movies coming out, Mike. Yeah, it's going to be going to be up to you what you want to do with that. Or, I mean, if we both hate the Fablemans, do you guys really want to have an hour and a half where we hate the Fablemans? Is that possible? <laughs> I, well, I was thinking, like, what if, like, if we get to the Fablemans and a glass onion or, or and a bones and all? Or, I mean, do we, like, just I do want a... you to watch Bones and All, and I want to be sitting next to you for that somehow. <laughs> <Can> we <laughs> we could do that. <laughs> anyway, my football team's in the playoffs. I don't know how much time I'm going to have to go to see movies. I'm going to be, like, seeing them at weird times, I think. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I got to use my A-list, like, every night. You were asking me. It's like, I, let me know when you go to the movies. Like, I wanted to just strangle you across the phone. He's <laughs> like, of course, I go to the movies every every chance I get, Michael, because I have A-list. And I go but see, I can't, I can't do that. I really, like, well, I mean, logistically, I can't do that because my home life is different than yours. Fine, but, but you like, would go more than you go now. I, but I, you? I don't know. I don't know the answer. To that. Like I like I like the movies as an escape. If it turns into like actual like where I have to go, I have to go every night. I think I would start resenting it. And that's why I think the film like I can't I, I, I can't remember. I go to the theaters and I sleep sometimes. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah, I that's not good. My movie consumption is very different than everybody else's in this space. It's, it's down right now, and I don't know what to it do for you. It but the movies down. are cool. Some of these are cool to watch, to go see. Like Bones and All, it's a, it's going to be an experience for you, at least that. Yeah, I don't Bones and All, I don't, I don't, I don't, Glass Onion, I don't harbor any resentment. The Fablements, I'm No, you're such a wild card right now. I yeah. don't know what you'll, you'll like or don't like. It, but I, I almost <laughs> worry that it's just, you're just. I turn you're, into you're an a actual fucking cannibal. troll is what you are. No, you're a troll. That's it. <laughs> I just, I'm going to say it. I'm worried that you're turning into an Oscar troll. <laughs> So prove me wrong on that. There's a lot of listeners that are like turning into. <laughs> and it's not it's not anybody's fault but film twitters. And I think uh <laughs> that's true. They have turned that's you true. to the dark side. Yeah. You are a Sith Lord. <laughs> Can I get any more nerdy here? So maybe you're not a troll. You're a Sith Lord in terms of the Oscars. I'm Palpatine brought back for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> and I'm not the Jedi either. I'm just like some <laughs> senator 
Anyway, I got to watch the last episode of Andor. Have you watched that? No, of course no, not. Of course I have. You should. I'm not you should. a Star that's Wars person. It's but like, that's the one show you should watch. If you had that's to pick one Disney Disney Plus show, well, that's, that's been Tony your favorite. Gilroy. Tony Gilroy, which is the uh, Michael Clayton dude. Yeah, right? I know, but he's Rogue been hit or miss with us. He was uh, he was the Denzel movie too, wasn't he? Yeah, maybe. The, what's his name? So. Esquire. Roma J. Israel. Fantastic beefs. <laughs> Mm-hmm. What's your what's been your favorite your number one Disney Plus series oh, so far? God, Loki probably because that has the the biggest impact on the MCU too, an actual impact, actual stakes, okay. which is b- zany. And it's six episodes, right? So it's not that hard to watch. You should watch Loki. What's but what's uh, your number two? Uh, Man Mandalorian's pretty darn good. You could binge that pretty fast. It's kind of fun. But it's right. for Baby Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> just enjoy it. but andor's up there andor's good andor's right. good good show all right well as always dear listener what matters most to us are your thoughts comments questions and concerns about everything we did in this episode i mean what are your thoughts obviously on the bob Iger takeover what are you what's your favorite disney plus uh show or series that's come out this <laughs> far do you have any concerns about the box office and theaters right now as uh mike and i have discussed here as well as what are you surprised by any of the indie spirit noms or omissions or anything else that we've talked about as always you can leave us those or any other thoughts you have on our social medias we are mike mike and oscar on facebook and instagram at mm and oscar on twitter mike mike and oscar at gmail.com.com and on reddit we are available wherever you do hear podcasts if you're listening to us on either the apple podcast or spotify app if you appreciate what we do if you wouldn't mind leaving leaving us a five-star review if i could speak english myself uh, those truly help us out a great deal we thank each and every one of you who have done so thus far michael we got we've teased what's coming next let's have some words of wisdom to end on well i think it's wise to get away from your family when you can (laughs) and go to the movies and maybe that's the respite you need it's either the family you are stuck with like the fablemans Mm -hmm. or it's the family you make along the journey like uh like mrs taylor russell and Timothy Chalamet, I mean, bones and all, maybe along the road we trip, or were the actual cannibals all along. What if you, you know, you find yourself on a little yacht and there's a murder mystery, like Glass <laughs> Onion? I am I legitimately know. excited for that movie. I'm excited. I want to see Devotion too. In Strange World, I don't know. I'm not not so much. That's probably a, that that'll win the weekend. We think. I don't know. Hopefully not. You think so? Hopefully, back Black Panther just keeps winning. Has has that has Strange World been not marketed? I hear that uh, it's not top-tier Disney, according to Matt Bellany, who I keep citing mm-hmm. for some reason, because that's like, it's, it's an easy, they, they do a digestible podcast over there. Yeah, they do. At the, at the town. It's 25 minutes. I Even like the episodes I'm not interested in, I find myself just listening to anyway, right? Because yeah. so like the words of wisdom is listen to the fucking town, the better than us. <laughs> Damn it. He is. Oh, there you go. Some uplifting words of wisdom to end this episode on, guys. As always, when reality sucks, you can listen to the fucking town with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See ya.